Ohio Habla es un podcast que nace del proyecto Narrativas Orales de Latinos en Ohio, Oral Narratives of Latinos en Ohio. Exploramos la experiencia latina con entrevistas en español, inglés y spanglish. Welcome to Ohio Habla. I'm Elena Fowles. My guest today is Victor Ruiz. Victor Ruiz is the executive director of Esperanza Inc., an organization founded in 1983 whose mission is to improve the academic achievement of Hispanics in Greater Cleveland by supporting students to graduate high school and promoting post-secondary education attainment. Victor lives in Cleveland with his wife and three children. He's a graduate from the Cleveland School System, has a bachelor's degree in English from Baldwin Wallace College, and a master's degree in education from Cleveland State University. Bienvenido a este episodio, Victor. Hello, how are you? Thanks for having me. Victor, tell me about growing up in Cleveland. Sure, thank you. So I, I came to Cleveland uh, in the early 80s at the age of five uh, with my mom and brother, um, My mom left a very uh, abusive relationship, so we had some family here, and our intention was just to be here for less than a year, and, you know, 40-plus years later, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is home. Um, and I grew up, again, you know, single mom. At, at, at one point, all of our family left, so it was just my mom and the two of us. Um, and, you know, I always say that I'm a poster child for all things public because if it wasn't for our public safety net, I wouldn't be here. So mm -hmm. from public schools, public housing, public food, everything, I, I took advantage of all that and um, graduated, uh, as you stated, uh, from the Cleveland School Systems um, and then um, made my life here. I started uh, after graduating college. I I started working with a um, program known back then as Cleveland Scholarship Programs, is now called College Now Greater Cleveland. We were working under a Gear Up grant um, and working with middle school students from Cleveland, helping them um, graduate high school and go to college. And did that for uh, quite some time. And then the opportunity at Esperanza came up, and that was over 10 years ago. So I've been doing that work for... Uh, 11 years uh, last month. So that's uh, very quickly my story. Right, right. So it seems like you've always been passionate about education, also uh, given your personal history and working with uh, Latino youth and young adults. Um, tell me about this work specifically, working with, how, when did you transition to working specifically with, with Latinos in the area? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, education has always been important, and it, it goes back to my, my mother. Um, you know, she said the only way out of, of poverty was through education. I remember her working multiple jobs and attempting to go to school herself. She mm -hmm. never finished, but she always tried it. And up until for my, my early years, She always sat next to us as we did our homework, and she said, you know, I can't help you, but at a minimum, I can be supportive. So that, that love of education was instilled early, and it was 
really because of a way out of, of poverty. So mm-hmm. um, when I graduated college, not knowing what I was going to do, I kind of fell into this job working with middle school students in this federally funded program. And that introduced me to to education from a systems perspective. It was less about, you know, the actual um, instruction. It was more around the systems that um, either support or are hindrances to students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I really started getting um, fascinated around, you know, the role of community and the role of systems in, in education. And when the um, opportunity for Esperanza came up, I was at a point where I had been on the board and was really passionate about the um, the mission. Um, mm-hmm. You know, also... Um, wanting to help my people and my community mm-hmm. and um, didn't really, you know, it was just a perfect fit, you know, and that's when, you know, I came to the organization and we really started challenging, um, you know, at that time, you know, only 30% of Latinx youth were graduating high school. Mm-hmm. And we really started challenging the notion that it was their fault or their family's fault, that it was okay. a systemic failure. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's been a lot of work, but we, we are seeing uh, some great results. And I, I think one of them is, you know, I think finally, and it's not just us, is because of a lot of people, people really looking at this holistic approach to educating a child. Mm-hmm. Right. What yeah. year did you start with Esperanza as, as the leader of Esperanza? Mm-hmm. That was like 2010. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, so you have been now uh, with Esperanza f- for, for a few years. And under your leadership, the organization has earned a 2019 Midwest Affiliate of the Year by Unidos Us, a 2015 Bright Spot in Hispanic Education by the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for Hispanics, and receiving the prestigious Ainsfield Wolf Community Organization Award from the Cleveland Foundation. Indeed, you are one of the top organizations supporting Latino education in their families in Ohio, really. Uh, we do have other organizations, but um, it seems to be a, a really... Um, like you mentioned before, holistic approach to supporting mm-hmm. um, youth. Because uh, I know that um, you also have uh, family engagement components uh, to your programs. Yeah. So talk to us about this work with Esperanza. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, uh, before I go there, you know, I think those those awards are just testaments to the hard work of the staff and mm-hmm. just the community. So it's just a thing of pride for everyone. And, you know, the organization was founded in the early 80s um, as a scholarship awarding organization. I think the community back then felt that a big um, barrier to post-secondary education uh, was financial. Mm-hmm. And they pooled their resources to support um, Latino students in their post-secondary education and also provide them with that, again, support system uh, as they, you know, um, persevere through uh, college. Mm-hmm. And the organization realized not long after that, that it wasn't as easy as just promoting post-secondary education or providing some sort of financial aid, mm-hmm. that the work had to start earlier. And that's when the organization really started um, addressing students at younger ages 
uh, through tutoring um, and um, and mentoring, and that continued. And you know, our programs have evolved to, as you said, just really looking at the holistic approach mm-hmm. and family centric. You know, it's not just about the child; it's about right. the the family as well. So we still provide the college scholarships. We award about 100 scholarships a year. Um, And prior to getting that scholarship, students have gone through a series of programs uh, starting in grade school that include mentoring. Mm -hmm. It includes academic support. Of course, we continue the advocacy work. We're at every table in Cleveland that deals with our community and our education mm-hmm. to make sure that the needs of our students are being met in community. And then we also do, um, we take a youth leadership approach. So empowering students and teaching them that they have to play an active role in their future. Um, for the parents, we also realized over time that it wasn't enough to talk to them about what they could do to be involved in their child's education. That was part of it. So we, we taught them how to be their child's first teachers, teach them how to advocate, how to read report cards. But we also realized that they had needs that needed to be met as well. So we provide some direct services to parents as well that include uh, English as a second language. We have a partnership with Cuyahoga Community College where they bring workforce development programs to the community. Um, and we refer them to trusted partners who can provide them those other services that we can, such as health, uh, domestic violence, mental health, so forth. Um, and then uh, once they get to post-secondary a few years ago, you know, we realized that, you know, we give students these scholarships um, and then we kind of cut off the um, engagement. Mm-hmm. So we're taking that same model and we're um, following them when they go to post-secondary, you know, so wrapping our arms around them. We have some programs with the Unidos U.S. Mm-hmm. called Líderes Avanzando, where we give students some extra support in post-secondary. So um, when, when you look at, again, the work, it's really this, this um, through the entire educational pipeline, you know, wrapping our arms around the entire family uh, to make sure that students are promoted and then they, they achieve what they want to achieve. We know college isn't for everyone, so we're working on how do we connect them to some workforce development opportunities. Um, when they're in college, how do we connect them to internships? Mm-hmm. So really just taking that holistic approach to the entire uh, educational pipeline. Right. And I know I'm familiar with the Líderes Avanzando program because I was uh, you know, briefly a part of it. I um, and, yep. and I also am a mentor <laughs> so for, for the right. college students through Esperanza Inc. So I know that... Um, you know, our students, uh, especially most of the students, I think, that you uh, work with are first-generation college students. And uh, very few are, uh, they, they still need support, right? Uh, they got to college. Now, how do we teach them how to find a mentor or how to reach out to their um, professors? Um, and so I know that part of that curricula- curriculum um, asks them to do that, right? And how to give back, how to how to do sort of a service project for their community. Um, so I really um, 
you know, I, I really like that approach that you've already taken with the other programs, you know, before they get to college, but then including this component for college students, it's 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 great. And I know that um, some of our students here at Ohio State have participated in it, and and they um, they've enjoyed that. Um, they they um, making that connection also, and just with other Latino students, right, uh, and from different areas of um, uh, of universities across Ohio. So that's also. Um, a resource for them too to get to know, you know, other students as well. That's right. Um, Victor, we are in spring of 2021 and still under the pandemic. Tell me how Esperanza Inc. has supported our students and families during these times. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously none of us knew <laughs> what mm. we were getting ourselves right. into. Uh, so, you know, early on in the pandemic, um, obviously a lot of uncertainty, a lot of concern and fear. So uh, we really focus in the beginning on our staff, uh, make sure that they that their personal needs are being met and that, you know, they were properly set up at home to do uh, virtual work, not really knowing how long it would be. Um so that, you know, that went well. Um, I think it took, you know, um, it took a couple months for people to really figure out how to serve our students. Um, and we weren't the only ones. So we really um, leaned on our partners, especially the larger systems, to to be supportive of them and, you know, offer up ourselves as a support system, knowing that what we had been doing may not be relevant. So um, very quickly, we started working with uh, the school district and other partners on the digital divide. Mm -hmm. So ensuring that our students and families had the technology and broadband to work remotely. The school, the Cleveland School District did a really great job of getting um, hardware and broadband to every student in the Cleveland School District. Mm. So once that was done, which took quite some time, it was apparent that a lot of students didn't know how to um, how to use the technology. Mm -hmm. There were issues with coordination of classes. And that's when we really stepped in as that intermediary. So we were working with our families on helping them connect, learn, learn the online learn, uh, learning tools, mm -hmm. um, helping them troubleshoot. Um, and that that was the work we did in the beginning, and as, as people got became uh, adjusted to that, then we were able to reincorporate our our mentoring programs mm -hmm. and our support programs and English as a second language. Um, so all of our programs pivoted to virtual very well, mm -hmm. um, and not just for grade school students and high school students, but also for our college students. And uh, so we continued. All of our programs virtual, um, and that, again, continues through fall of last year. And fall of last year, the school district asked us, because we had the space and we had the technology, to serve as an academic learning pod for students in the neighborhood who needed a safe place to do their virtual work. So since September, we've had about close to 30 students coming in four days a week 
They bring their laptops. We provide them a, a, a space, safe, clean. Um, they have the broadband, mm-hmm. Wi-Fi. The school district uh, serves them their meals. And they come here and, and, and they do their work. And we've aligned our programming so those students that are here, we connect them with tutors and mentors. Um, and the same thing's starting to happen with, with our parents. You know, our English second language classes, you know, went to, we were doing them on WhatsApp. We were doing them on, <laughs> on uh, whatever technology the parents felt comfortable with. Right. And that worked out well. And with our partnership with Tri-C, where Iowa Community College, where they were an academic access center, they helped us um, build up our infrastructure. So we're getting ready to start uh, where it makes sense, bring people in in person over the next several months because some people prefer the in-person mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Our, our services didn't stop we pivoted and i think one of the positives uh for us is that it kind of showed us what else we can do and how else we can serve <laughs> right and that our our boundaries were not limited to this neighborhood and um yeah there's a lot of excitement about what is what is um Esperanza hybrid edition look like um, <laughs> starting this year and, and into the future. Right. I mean, it's, it, it's taught us all that, right? The possibilities. Yeah, our limitations and maybe, um, you know, things that um, there's preferences. And also, like, some um, students, for example, learn better in certain modalities than others, like in person versus online. But um I mean, but because of that, too, I'm able to be a mentor to somebody in Cleveland <laughs> because we're we have this virtual, you know, option. Um, so versus just having somebody here here on campus, right, that we, we can't even meet in person anyway. Um, so, yes, yeah, so definitely the pandemic is teaching us a lot, a lot of things about uh, who we are and what we can do. <clears throat> Victor. Can you share a success story from one of your participants, youth or parents, in in some of your that have participated in some of your programs? Yeah, so I, you know, obviously we have, we have a lot, but there's, you know, one of the, going back to the pandemic, well, you know, because of how we were able to really uh, pivot it, pivot and and the, there was very little pause in services. That game, that garnered a lot of attention to us, and especially from the funding community. And mm-hmm. so we actually had a, a good year last year, and we were able to actually hire um, several new staff members last year. And, and one of our um, goals is to, you know, ensure that our students get access to meaningful careers. So, um, and we had, we have to, um, you know, we, we have to walk the talk. So I, I, all this to say, you know, I think a couple pr- things I'm really proud of is that uh, we hired a couple, uh, several staff at the end of the year, and they were all alumni. They were all students who went mm-hmm. through our high school programs. They uh, received our scholarships. And now that they graduated, we were able to hire um, two uh, last year at the end of the year, um, adding to the to we already have several alumni who are employed here. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, that's just a, a thing of pride because, you know, I, I feel there's no one better to, to deliver the message of the organization and do the work than those who, 
who um, experienced it themselves. Mm-hmm. And I just think when you when you think about the long term sustainability of the organization, it's really those individuals who've been impacted. So I'm just really proud of that. That you know we, we've been able to hire people who went through our programs and their success stories, and now they're coming back here mm-hmm. to Full give circle. back yeah. and to tell the story. Yep. Yes. Well, that's that's wonderful. Uh, Victor, is there anything else you would like to say about um, future plans for Esperanza Inc. or any initiatives? I know that every year you have the Fiesta of Hope um, mm-hmm. event. So I don't know if you want yeah. to mention that and maybe yeah. any other initiatives. Yeah, sure. So Fiesta of Hope um, is our, our, as you know, our, our annual scholarship luncheon. Um, it's our really our only fundraiser and it brings in a significant amount of money. Um, it funds our scholarships, 100, 100% of our scholarships. So we rely on that event to, um, again, be able to award scholarships. When we, um, when the pandemic started last year, you know, uh, that, that was the one area we knew would get impacted the most. Um, but I, I'm, you know, most of our donors and sponsors came through and, because of the dollars saved from um, expenses, we were actually able to maintain our same level of scholarship support, which is, again, something we're very proud of. Uh, this year, it's going to be a hybrid event. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have um, our scholarship recipients and their families uh, in person, socially distanced at uh the conference center that we use, the Renaissance, mm-hmm. uh, but we're also going to um, record it and then live stream it to the general community. So we're really excited about the hybrid uh, format. Um, and when it comes to the future, you know, uh, because of our partnership with Tri-C um, and the Access Center and some of the technological upgrades that we've made and we've acquired additional space in our building, we're really looking to see how we transform our organization into a, a community learning center mm. where we offer uh, more formalized tutoring uh, programs where we bring in more partners who can deliver their trainings and their certification programs so we help with the recruitment and we have the technology in the space and all they they bring in their programming. So really, um, we're really excited about how do we turn our, our place into this community learning center open to all so they could um, advance their uh, educational aspirations and goals. So uh, we're, we're in the early phases of, of putting that strategy together, having conversations with partners and donors, and uh, really excited about, about launching this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Victor, uh, thank you so much for this conversation. No, thank you. A todos, gracias por escucharnos y recuerden seguirnos en Facebook y de compartir este podcast con otros. Hasta la próxima. Thank you.